In this podcast, I want to talk about survey research as it relates to psychology, but it could be related to most types of survey research that you encounter. Now, survey research can take different forms. It could be on paper, it could be online, and it could be an in-person interview, it could be over the phone. So all of those are considered surveys. And one consideration you want to think about when thinking about survey research are the terms sample versus population. Typically, when a researcher wants to create a survey, conduct a survey, they want to obtain information, gather data. Sometimes they don't know specifically what they're going to find, so oftentimes it's exploratory in nature. Sometimes surveys are very targeted. They know exactly what kind of information they're looking for, but sometimes it's more of a goose hunt. They throw a bunch of questions in there and see if they find something interesting. That's more exploratory. So what's the difference between a sample and a population? The population is the group of people or the cohort that a researcher is interested in. So let's say someone is interested in the late adulthood age group of people, right? So they would have to define that as a certain number, 65 and above, and that would be their population. Are they focused on men? Are they focused on women? Are they focused on married couples, divorced, single people, widowers, right? So whatever specific group that this researcher is interested in studying, that entire group of people, whether it's all Americans of that particular age range or whatever, that's considered the population. Now it's impossible, normally, to study the population. You're not going to give a sample to 100 million Americans, for example or even do a worldwide study and cover that many people. So research must use samples. So a sample is what it sounds like. When you go to Costco or any kind of grocery store that gives out food samples, you don't get the whole pizza. That would be nice. Uh, of course, you could return time after time, and maybe you get 10 slices, and okay, never mind. That's just me. But So a sample is a small slice of that population okay so it's similar to the idea if you think about a pizza and it's not because I just had pizza for lunch or that I'm still hungry it's that you're hoping as a researcher that whatever you find out the data you get from that sample represents what you'll find in the population so when you're in line at Costco getting a little slice of pizza is that pizza does it taste like the rest of the pizza okay so think about that. Not always, right? Sometimes your sample is not a good representation of the population. What if you got a corner that's all crust, right? You got no pepperoni, no cheese, no sauce, right? Is that really what the pizza tastes like? Or maybe you got the, the part that only has the pepperoni without the vegetables. Is that representative of what that pizza tastes like? So in real research, when we're asking people questions, that's what the researcher is thinking about as well. Does my sample, is it representative of the population? So the more representative, the more accurate, right? The more valid that research is going to be. So the benefits of doing a survey research is that it's fairly easy to do. Any of you can probably put up a survey, a poll, or multiple choice question on Facebook or other social media outlets to your friends and, and all that and get some data back, right? 
Um, I'm on the Nextdoor app, not that I'm selling it or anything, for our neighborhood. And I, ha I created a group that is about essential shopping for essential supplies. Okay? And I basically put out um, a survey, a simple poll. During this time of crisis, and I'm recording this during the COVID-19 uh, more or less shutdown in April, that how are you shopping for your groceries? So I gave choices. I am shop online, I use delivery, I use curbside pickup, I go into the store, and so forth. And I was kind of expecting at least half or more than half to be using curbside pickup and, or delivery. But actually, it was about 60% of people who responded go into the store still, just like they used to. So is this an accurate... Is this result an accurate reflection of my entire neighborhood? Of the entire block? The entire city? We don't know, right? Um, that's, that's what the researcher has to take into account when giving a survey. So surveys are limited in that respect. But the benefits are that you can reach a lot of people fairly easily. Maybe use a robocall machine and call many people and see who they want to vote for. Now the negative side of using a sample or survey is pretty much what I kind of explained earlier was that sometimes your sample is not representative right or that the information given was not accurate okay what if only people who like to who are trolls answer the survey they kind of think oh I know what this guy's looking for let me put something opposite or some people don't have good memory right when answering a survey they may not exactly recall what kinds of things they bought in the last week for example or they might be purposefully lying. Okay, so the sample responses, that's why when you see um, political polls, they always give a, a margin of error. They're making an estimate using statistics to figure out, well, this is plus or minus 5% in terms of accuracy. Okay, it's more or less accurate up to that range. Okay, now let me give you one specific example. Uh, since I'm redoing all my podcasts from many years ago and making a fresh set, I asked my class, and I didn't really create a great survey. I just used email to the entire class and asked them, well, what kind of podcast would you like Dr. C to create, right? So I gave them choice A was, oh, just a chapter summary, kind of like an overview of what to expect in this chapter. B was very specific concepts explaining you know, this concept, that concept, that concept in a given chapter, right? So sort of like micro lectures of specific concepts. That was B. And C has to do with sort of current event type stuff, right? So something that's happening now. How does it relate to psychology? What's in the news, right? Um, I thought that might be interesting for a course to, to listen to. And then D was a combination of A and C. That is, do some chapter overviews, combine that with these current event type things because the main goal of uh, reason for me to give out the survey was that my time is limited and I want this, some students to give me some feedback about you know how should I prioritize my time in terms of producing podcasts uh, because they do take a while to do and the overall results and I teach two psych 100s and two psych 200s which is lifespan uh, psych 100s intro to psych and when I combined all the numbers, D was somewhat ahead of option B. 
Okay, so very few people chose just option A only, right? So they either wanted B, which are the short segmented kind of lectures, or D, which is a combination of these overviews and uh, everyday current events, right? So I thought, okay, well, I guess I'll just focus on D then. I'll record some current event stuff and then do some chapter overviews. But then I thought I saw a pattern and wondered, are my intro students interested in something different than my lifespan students? Because intro students are fairly new to the college environment. Yeah, they're taking psychology for the first time. Whereas lifespan students are a little bit more focused in terms of their professional goals. Most students come in, want to go into a medical field. They're trying to gun for that 4.0 so they can have a good grade point average getting in. And they're a little bit more focused, I would say. I don't want to use the word serious because I don't want to insult the Psych 100 students. So I recounted. Uh, yeah, I have that much free time. So I recounted the tally and divided up. Well, what did my Psych students from Intro to Psych want versus Lifespan? And actually, the results were flip-flopped. So instead of assuming everyone preferred D over option B, my Intro to Psych class preferred D uh, by a wide margin, 20 votes to 6. 6 votes for option B, right, which were short lectures. So they wanted the combination of lectures um, and current events. Well, well, then I looked at the lifespan students. They, by a majority, uh, somewhat close, but I think it's still significantly different, 12, 13 votes to about 7 to 8 votes, where they preferred B, short focused lectures about specific concepts it's almost like they're trying to tell me um you know we don't, we don't have time to waste on the fluff and the stuff you want to talk about in the news today just you know give me give me something where i can take notes on and do better on the test so that's kind of my assumption of the mindset of these lifespan students they just feel more serious and more focused and and whereas the psych 100 students are a little bit more laid back. They're a little bit more open-minded, maybe. They're like, yeah, I have time. I want to explore. I kind of want to... I'm interested. I want to learn more about psychology. There's sort of this beginning phase of curiosity, all right? Not to say you lifespan students aren't curious. You guys are, but you're, you're just more focused, okay? Let me put that in a nice way. So this data is very interesting, right? How you carve and uh, what information it gives you depends on how you sort out the data. Now, what can, I, what can I say about the data at the end, though? That's the thing. Can I say that there's something uniquely different about Psych 100 versus 200 students, like I was trying to say earlier? No, I cannot really say that. Um, those are just my assumptions and guesses. So if I was a real researcher and I was interested in the mindset or approach um, differences between academic approach differences between Psych 100 students and Psych 200 students, then maybe I would use this preliminary finding to focus on other kinds of questions and give to each set of students. Okay, and then see if I find differences in those responses. So if I have a theory, for example, that, oh, one group is more focused than the other, then I would create some questions that relate to tapping into how focused someone is and see if the numbers, the actual empirical data, reflects back uh, and supports my theory, right? Overall theory. 
of course, I don't want you to confuse the terms theory and hypothesis. We all know that the term hypothesis has to do with a very specific uh, guess or expectation of how a particular study is going to come out. Right? Does this, the, will the results support my hypothesis? The end result of that piece of research can then be used to support a larger theory. So a theory is often made up of many pieces of existing research and can change over time. All right, I think you've got enough about the lecture about um, surveys. So thanks for listening. This is Dr. C, and I'll talk to you soon. there thanks for listening to this podcast today can you do me a big favor um, just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field uh, go to apple Podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief uh, review okay and you can also contact me directly using the links in the description whether it's twitter or email with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better and uh, if there are any topics you want me to talk about, I can add them. And if you want to support me by buying me a coffee, the methods are listed in the description as well. Again, thanks and have a great day.